I had one Christmas when I was a kid, I got a tape recorder. And this was, was many years ago, back when MTV used to play music all day long. And I would use our, our VCR and I would record music videos off of MTV. And then when I went on those rare occasions that I had the house all to myself, I would play those music videos and hold the tape recorder up to the television and record the music. And then that way I would have a couple of 60 minute tapes. It took me a while to accumulate that much, but I had a handful of 60 minute tapes filled with my favorite music. And I listened to them over and over and over again. One afternoon in my bedroom, I'm, I'm doing homework, I'm listening to this music, and my brother wanders in and, and he listens for a minute. And then he says, boy, it's, it's too bad about that clock. And it took me a minute to realize what he was talking about, but then I figured it out. In our living room, we had this old clock that had to be hand wound every night, and the, the pendulum swung back and forth, tick tock, tick tock. And every single tape I had where I just held the, the tape recorder up to the television to record the music had the sound of this clock ticking in the background. I'd never noticed it. But once I noticed it, I couldn't not notice it. And I couldn't enjoy any of that music ever again. And, and I'm sure we've all experienced things like that in our life, that once we become aware of it, we can't, we can't get past it. We can't move away from it. If you've ever bought a new car, and prior to that, you just drove down the road and you didn't really notice the, the kinds of cars other people had. But then once you buy your car, suddenly you see that make and that model everywhere. And you feel like a third of the cars on the road are exactly the same as yours. You'd never noticed it before, but because you are now acutely aware of your own recent purchase, you're aware of how many other people had the same wisdom as you did to buy that exact same car. But sometimes in life we get those things that once we notice them, we can't, we can't move our awareness past them. And that is one of the things that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about this morning. We have been talking about our spiritual disciplines for several weeks now. And this week we are talking about fasting, the spiritual discipline of fasting. And I think fasting is one of the most misunderstood and most underused spiritual discipline, at least in our current Christian culture, at least in, in this country, at least in in the way we do it. And fasting is one of those things, I'm about to spill all of my notes. Now I'll only spill part of them. Fasting is one of those things, it's just like church attendance, it's just like Bible reading. If you don't go into it with a spiritual intention, you're not going to get anything out of it spiritually, or at least you're not going to get much out of it. You might accidentally pick up something, but probably not. You can come to church every single week, but if you are not there for God, you're not going to get a lot of God out of it. Everybody's going to be worshiping, and you're just going to be standing and singing. When, when somebody is up front preaching, it's just going to be background noise to you. You're just going to hear somebody talking. When you do your Bible reading, you can sit with your Bible and you can open it and you can read a chapter or two or three. But if you're not doing it with a spiritual intent, you're just getting some Bible stories. 
you are not really sitting with a book that's going to affect and change and shape your life if you don't have that intention. And fasting is the same way. If we don't enter into the idea that we're going to fast as a way to gain something spiritually to draw closer to God, then we're just cutting something out of our life and we're not really going to get much God out of it. In the fourth chapter of Matthew, we, we have the story, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. I'm starting right in verse 1. Matthew 4, 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Then the tempter approached him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man must not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now the story goes on. Satan continued to taunt Jesus, continued to, to, to try to tempt him with things, and Jesus continued to answer with Scripture. Now on a side note, that is one of the reasons that, that Pastor Steve and I spend so much time talking about daily Bible reading and Scripture memorization. It's one of the reasons that we've got the app where several times a week the Fresh Start Fellowship app will give you some Scripture to to read, to study on, to think on, and then we'll provide some questions where you can take that scripture just a little bit deeper. That's why we have Bible memory verses. Every month we've got a different memory verse that we encourage all of us as a family to work on for that month to memorize. That's because we want you, when the test shows up, to already have some of the answers memorized. We want you to be ready when life gets gets rough for you. So, Satan continued to, to put these temptations in front of Jesus, and Jesus continued to answer with Scripture, not just because he had Scripture memorized, but because in that time in the desert, because it said 40 days, 40 nights without food, and the Scripture points out that he was hungry, as any of us would be, he was laser-focused on God because he was using his hunger as a spiritual reminder. Now, the hunger wasn't something that gave him some sort of spiritual power. You know, being hungry doesn't make you spiritually strong. But Jesus was using, every time he felt a hunger pang, he used that, that constant reminder that he was without food. He took that, that physical reminder that he felt, and he focused on his father. He focused on the reason that he went to be alone with his father, that he went into the wilderness by himself. He was getting ready to start his ministry. Between 36 and 42, hard months of ministry were in front of him without a lot of rest, and he knew that he had to be as, as spiritually prepared as he could possibly be. And so he went into the wilderness not to spiritually prepare himself, but to spend time with his father. Because he knew that time with his father was the spiritual preparation that he needed. And fasting can be like that. It can give us a reminder that our time with God is precious and irreplaceable and that that can really be what prepares us and guides us and shapes us through life. Fasting is a lot like hitting the, the refresh button on your computer. It, it'll cause the page to reload. Now, sometimes that can be kind of painful because it will reload without some of, the, some of the changes that you had been making. 
without your most current search on there. So it'll reload, it'll refresh without all the stuff you want it to. But sometimes if the page is, is messing up, if there's some sort of glitch going on, you hit refresh and it gets rid of that and it brings it back fresh to where it was. And for a lot of folks, and, and I'm, I hear from a lot of people both equally, this, this quarantine is a great refresh. It's highlighted to many people what is really important, what is truly special. It's given them extended time with family, extended time to think on what's important personally, time to get stuff done around the house, time to spend some time with God. But for others, this, this refresh quarantine that we are going through, it's kind of highlighted some of the anxiety in life, some of the, some of the stress. A lot of people are having food insecurity. They're not sure if they have enough, enough food to, to last all their meals through the week. A lot of financial uncertainty. Some people are out of work, and they're not sure if there's going to be work to go back to. Um, some people are really feeling a disconnect from family because they've got family, but family is quarantining somewhere else and they're not quarantining with them, so they can't really be physically close to, to celebrate birthdays or anniversaries or things like that. People are feeling, Pastor Steve and I hear this a lot, people are just feeling this disconnect from church because as great as this technology is and as amazing as this is, it is just not the same as being able to worship together as being able to be together and look into the word together. It's, it's better than nothing, and it's amazing, but it's just not as good as being able to be together. It's, it's really kind of, a, kind of a disconnect. And what we're finding is this refresh that we've hit with this, this quarantine. For some, it's been good, and for some, it's been not good. But if, for those people that are focused on God, whether it's good or not good, it has kind of highlighted how important their connection to God is. And I have, I have spent time talking to people that have that financial insecurity and that food insecurity, and, and they've got every reason to be anxious, but they have just, just grabbed a hold of God and grabbed a hold of God's word. And this quarantine has done amazing things for them spiritually, and in the middle of all this insecurity and anxiety, they are finding God. And they're able to find and focus on the good things. And there have been other people that it's just, it's really been like a nice vacation. They, they're not worried financially. They have extended time at home to get things done. They've got extended time with their wife, with their children. But they don't really have that deep connection to God. And they're not getting up every day thinking, what is my connection to God going to reveal to me today? And they're starting to get stir crazy. And they're starting to notice that all the stuff to do around the house, it's a never-ending list, and the quarantine could last for five more years, and they're still not going to get everything done. And they're starting to realize that, that there was a reason they hated math when they were in school, and now that they're trying to help their children navigate math online, they don't like it anymore. So it's, it's really highlighted the worst aspects for them, even though things are not that bad. So that connection to God kind of, I think, sets that, sets that tone. And that's what I'm talking about with fasting, that fasting, if you enter into it with an expectation that God is going to be a part of that result, 
you can have amazing spiritual progress when you choose to fast. If you enter into it just expecting great spiritual things to happen, but you're not willing to put anything into it, then you're probably not going to get too much out of it. There's several instances of fasting in the Bible. I'm not going to dig at, at any of them this morning. Um, Aaron was fasting when, after his son died. David and his men spent time fasting in mourning after Saul had passed away. Daniel refrained from eating or drinking in his lamentation. So there are several instances where people in the Bible choose her chose to fast in order to draw close to God, in order to experience God. And we tend to think of fasting mostly as going without food. The reality is you can fast from anything. It doesn't have to be food. That's what we just most automatically think. You know, if you love music and you decide to cut out listening to music in your car in order to spend your, your commute drawing closer to God and spending more time with God, then that can be fasting in a very positive way. It can have a great result in your life. I know somebody who during this, during this quarantine, they decided that, and this doesn't sound like much, and I don't know if they're watching this or not, but it doesn't sound like much, but it's very, very spiritually cool. They are going without ice during this quarantine. Now, they love with dinner every night. They drink iced tea. It's part of, of being in the South. And they love a glass full of ice and to pour the tea over that, and it gets nice and cold. And they love ice in their iced tea. And they have decided with the amount of food insecurity going on in, our, in their community, just like, just like every community, they've decided that they're going to go without ice because they love it so much. And every time during their dinner that they pick up their glass and their instinct is, even after all these weeks, their instinct is, oh, I need to go put ice in here. I forgot the ice. And every time they grab that glass and realize there's not ice, it reminds them they're fasting from ice. And then for just a moment, not a long, prolonged spiritual deal, but for just a moment, they close their eyes and they spend a moment with God praying for those that don't have the luxury of getting a peaceful meal during this time. And it has drawn them so much closer to God than they could have imagined. I mean, it seems kind of silly. I'm going to fast from ice. But it's drawn them closer to God, and it has given them several reminders during each meal of their giving something up in order to get closer to God. Cutting out ice isn't going to make you spiritually strong. But every time you miss that ice, if it causes you to take a step closer to God, that can be spiritually amazing. And that's what they're experiencing. You, know, you can give up a TV show. You can give up movies, music, golf. You can give up just about anything, anything that you're going to miss. You know, as a kid, I was raised in a denomination where we were always told to give things up for Lent. And my friends and I would always, every year, come up with these great plans that we're going to give up homework for Lent or we're going to give up broccoli, or we're going to give up doing our chores, or you know, something that we didn't want to do in the first place. And that's, that's not what fasting is supposed to be. You're supposed to give up something that you are going to miss, something that you like so much you almost need it. Maybe even, for a period of time, something you do need, like food. But if you take that, that focus, that missed thing, and you direct those hunger pangs towards the Father 
and towards trying to remind yourself of what he wants in your life, you can make great spiritual strides if you use fasting that way. Fasting isn't magic. If you start skipping meals, expecting God to start doing miracles in your life, but you don't make any spiritual changes, you don't add prayer during that time of whatever you're missing, whatever you're skipping, whatever you're doing without, well, then you're not doing something spiritual. You're just missing lunch. If you decide to give up music so God does something great in your life, but you're not spending that time without music, focusing on God, then you're just going without music. Fasting is not some magical thing. It's what can happen during that fast. How you choose to redirect your focus. If you look at fasting, I I saw this analogy and I really, really love it. If you choose to look at fasting as like a, a friendship. And when you have a friendship with somebody, a very close friendship, somebody that, that you love so much, when, when they need you or you need them, everything else gets put on hold. Everything is canceled so you can help them through whatever they're going through or so they can help you. And that is much like fasting. You are canceling other stuff so that you can get with God. My main, my main focus on my scripture in our time together this morning is in Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to start in verse 16. Just three verses are main focus. Whenever you fast, don't be gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces so that their fasting is obvious to people. Truly, I tell you, they already have their reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that your fasting isn't obvious to others, but to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. You know, you're not supposed to fast in order so you can feel sorry for yourself that you didn't have dinner, or you didn't have lunch, or that you're going without ice, or you're going without music, or golf, or or whatever it is. And you're certainly not doing it so that you can spiritually impress everybody around you. Oh, look how spiritual Mark is. He skipped dinner. That's not what we're doing. Think about that friendship parallel for a minute. If Pastor Steve calls me and he says, Brother, I have, I have a serious need, a, a health need. There's a problem in my family. We have a financial situation. I have a serious need. Can you come and spend some time with me? How is he going to feel if my response is, Fine, I'm coming. I don't want to, but we're friends, so I kind of feel like I have to. I'm going to skip dinner. I'm going to skip watching Jeopardy. I'm going to use gasoline out of my car and put miles on my car to come to your house. And I'm going to inconvenience myself because we're friends and you're asking for my help. How is he going to feel with that response? Is he going to feel loved? Or is he going to feel like, you know, this guy doesn't doesn't really want to do this. This is something he's doing out of obligation. Is, Is it going to occur to him? that he's further off without me coming over, that whatever problem he has is going to be made worse by me showing up with this attitude? Absolutely. My reaction doesn't need to be this this gloom, this sadness. You know, whenever you fast, don't be gloomy like the hypocrites. They disfigure their faces so that fasting is obvious to people. That's not what we're supposed to do when we're giving something up. We're not supposed to make a big show out of how horrible it is that we're doing without something. 
Now, what if the same way I get the same phone call from Steve, and I don't complain to him at all, but I use that, that friendship request he has made in order to complain about him to other people. Yep, I got to miss my dinner tonight. I got to go hang out with Steve. He's got a mess going on. You know, I make a point of, of telling everybody how much I'm going to give up to minister to him. How spiritually heroic I am that I'm putting my life on hold to help him. Is that, am I offering him real help? Are other people going to think, boy, I can really depend on Mark? I mean, they're probably going to think, boy, if I call Mark with a problem, I can depend on him to tell everybody about the problem. But then he's not really going to show up and help me. He's just going to show up and, and make it worse. That's not what we're supposed to do anything. We're supposed to, we're supposed to fast quietly. We are not supposed to offer this fast with all these strings attached. All right, God, I'm going to give up something, but I'm going to point out to everybody how amazing I am and how tight I am with you and how, how spiritual I am and how ministry-ready I am because of what I'm giving up. You wouldn't do that to a friend that you truly loved. So don't treat God that way when you, when you make the decision to fast. Now, there's nothing wrong when you are fasting from something, to tell some people what you're doing so that you have some accountability. And just like I, I made a, a quick side note about Bible reading and scripture memorization, hold on to that word accountability because you are going to hear it again in 2020 and into 2021 around here. But there's nothing wrong with seeking some accountability so that you've got kind of a safety net, somebody who can catch you when you start to fall back into that habit, you know, if I'm going to fast from a, from a meal once a week, I let my wife know so that she can remind me, well, what are you doing? Don't make yourself a sandwich. I thought you were going to fast this day. I thought you were going to fast from the evening meal. She can, she can help me remember that because I'll do a great job of remembering halfway through the meal or as soon as I'm finished that that was my intention. So there's nothing wrong with having some accountability or letting somebody know that you're going to give up golf for a while or you're going to cut music out or you're going to cut out social media or whatever it is. There's nothing wrong with having somebody who can hold you accountable to that and, and encourage you in that. But you don't need to make a big spiritual case to the whole planet that you are heroic because of what you're doing because that's not the point. Accountability is good. Bragging is not. When you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that your fasting isn't obvious to others, but to your Father who is in secret. You, when you choose to fast from something, you are telling God that he is your priority in all of your life and that you want to focus on that priority in those moments that you have given something up. Let's just, let's just say that you choose to give up one meal a week. When you are hungry for that meal, before that meal gets here, and you are reminded, boy, I'm really hungry, this is going to be rough, that, that reminder, if you use that to focus on your priority relationship with God, that's what fasting is for. During that meal time, when you are not eating, spend that time in prayer. Spend that time with your Bible. Spend that time thinking about that priority relationship that you have with God. 
after that meal and until the next time when you break that fast, you're going to continue to have those hunger pangs because you are used to having a meal. And if you use that physical discomfort, don't turn it into, into mourning and, and crying to God, but turn it into, Lord, teach me something from this. Draw me closer to you. Help me make you and keep you a constant priority in my life, whether I'm eating or not, or listening to music or not, or playing golf or not, or whatever it is, no matter whether I'm fasting or not, help me keep you as the priority. God is going to honor that. Otherwise, you're just skipping a meal. Now, if we had 20 people in this church who decided to commit to skipping one meal a week, and you know what, if you have health concerns, if you are diabetic and skipping a meal is going to mess up your blood sugar, if, if, you've got, if you've got to have a job where it's physical and you work outside, skipping a meal so that you show up to work weak is, is probably not your best bet. But if 20 people could commit to skipping a meal once a week or finding something else to cut out so they can fast, but if 20 people would commit to skipping one meal a week and each of those skipped meals would generate three moments with God to think about, to dwell on the priority relationship with him in your life. And three is probably a, a down number. It's probably going to be much more than that. If I skip a meal, my body reminds me that I am hungry many more than three times. But if just three times per person, per meal, one meal a week, that's 60 God moments every week. And probably, honestly, it's easily double or triple or 10 times that much. That's 240 God moments a month coming out of Fresh Start Fellowship's body, out of Fresh Start Fellowship's family, as we focus on that God relationship priority in our life. That is 2,880 God moments a year and that's just assuming that it's generating three moments per meal. Like I said, it's probably double or triple that. I mean, that's nearly 3,000 encounters with God that this church family can have just by cutting out music or one meal or ice in your iced tea or whatever it is that you decide to give up so that you can take that focus and put it on God. Nearly 3,000 encounters, and maybe double or triple that number or more, from this church family on that priority relationship with God. What could that do for you and your walk with God? What can that do for our church family as we seek to minister to our community, as we seek to share, as we have talked about worship, as we have talked about fellowship and evangelism what can that do for your ministry to your neighbors to your co-workers in your family what can that do in this place when we all get back together because when we get back together it's not like life is suddenly magically going to be perfect and there's going to be no more financial problems or no more family problems or or you know no more flat tires or no more sickness or no more illness. All those things are still going to be around even when we can get back together every Sunday. But if we are all stronger in our walk with God, what kind of a difference are we going to be able to make? 
What kind of difference are you going to be able to make if you decide that fasting for the next 52 weeks is something you're going to take seriously, even if you take it seriously in a very easy way? Give up ice. It's a, almost a silly example, but I think it would work. Give up a meal. Give up dessert. Give up music in your car. Give up listening to music while you take a shower. Give up whatever gives you pleasure so that you can take that time and fill that void up with God. What is that going to do for your walk as you seek him? Now, I want to encourage two different groups of people as, as I wrap up here. And I know this was not incredibly deep. We didn't go to a lot of places in the Bible. But fasting is such a deep topic that I didn't want to go so deep that it just all became noise. But I want to focus, just as I close, on two groups. That first group, if you are doing well during this quarantine time, if, if you are not financially worried, if you do not have all kind of family stress, if life is good for you, I would like to encourage you to fast over the next several months, to find some area of your life to fast, and I'm not talking about spending several months without food. Maybe spend several months without music or without dessert or just cut out one meal a week or cut out snacks, whatever. But if you can give that up, if you are doing well during this time, if you can give that up and fill that void up with God and ask God to show you ways that you can minister to your neighbors and to your friends and to your family, God is going to show up and he's going to reveal some things to you if you take it spiritually serious. Don't just start cutting stuff out and filling that time up with sitcoms on television and expect God to show up in that. You are going to have to meet him in those moments of giving something up. Now, my second challenge is to people that are not doing well during this time. And this is not a, a scolding at all. We are going through something that we've never gone through before. And there is nothing wrong or weak about you if you are filled with anxiety, nervousness, fear, frustration. That is all very normal. But if you are experiencing those things, I'm going to ask you to fast as well. Find something in your life that you can cut out and take that void and give it to God and ask God to show up and comfort you, to show up and direct you. If you take that time, that, that hunger pang or whatever it is, and just give that to God, and every time you feel that, that hunger pang, just remind yourself, God, I need you to show up and comfort me because I am just a, a mess of anxieties right now. I promise you God is going to move in that if you take that spiritually serious. So that is my challenge. Give up something and use that extra focus on God to minister or give up something and use that extra focus on God so that you can draw closer to him and before long, he's going to be using you to minister to other people.